Hey, bibbidi bobbidi, put your poop on my shoulder. Ready to rumble, baby. Poop right here in my lap. Just right in my mouth. Two girls, one cup, baby. (laughs) No, one girl, two cups. I'm greedy. (laughs) I want all the shit to myself. Mistakes. Ow. Welcome to Best Best Mistakes, Mistakes. the podcast about our mistakes, your mistakes, and the mistakes of the entire universe. (laughs) The whole of the universe, all of the galaxies. Every parallel universe as well. Next Um, season, we're going to move on to other universes. Next season, we're going to move on to... uh, (laughs) hypothetical mistakes mistakes that that. could have been i was thinking in the shower last night what will season two look like so (laughs) (laughs) um i'm anya volts i'm um anna kochnian i am nicola matzo (laughs) (laughs) i'm ryan seacrest and you're listening to top 40 um yeah so this is episode two um, I'm really excited. We're getting into. Can you get off Twitter? You're literally on Twitter I right was now. Literally looking up <laughs> the host name from my favorite murder, so I could say Karen, that I was her. Karen no, Kilgariff, like. Georgia Hardstar. Georgia Hardstar. You don't like Georgia? I think she's annoying. Wow. Okay. <laughs> Allegedly. <laughs> Yeah, what the fuck? We have to edit that out. She's a bad storyteller. All right, well, uh, says a lot coming from the Georgia of this podcast. (laughs) I knew you were going to say something like something like that. Did you hear? Did you hear, Elisa, our producer? Let's get that a little bit louder. She did say it's true. Are we keeping it in? We're adding. Oh, I don't care. I'm not pitching. It wasn't my idea to pitch this podcast to their network. It wasn't mine either. Okay, well then, great. It's not happening now, and that's fine. Honestly, Georgia has like a great sense of humor. About she does. Herself. She's funny. I just she's bad no, no, at no, telling I stories. I understand. She sounds like she. I feel like she always sounds like she uh, just took a sip of water because she has cotton mouth. I well, th- and then I'm the Georgia of this podcast. <laughs> we all have a little bit of Georgia in us. I personally haven't listened to the, that podcast in um a, in a while, I so I don't really listen to it last night. I don't really remember how I feel about either of them, really. Although I do. Um, have a distinct recollection of how much they tiptoe around shit that they've been yelled at before. They yelled at for they before. They do tiptoe around race in the episode I was listening to last night. It was a little bit uncomfortable. <laughs> they, all, they like tiptoe they were... around race and about police stuff because they yeah. like really sucked police dick for well, a long time on that podcast. Oh, they were trying to get at the fact that for the Lululemon murder, which I listened to last night, that's Ooh, I love about that the murder. Lululemon murder, and the murderer is a black woman and the victim was a white woman, and they like really. Sounded so uncomfortable trying to get to the point that they felt like maybe there had been like a racial aspect of the murder. Like, did it lead? Like, was this like an annoying racist white coworker who like ratted out the black girl? And it was like it's almost like they wanted to like whisper that she was black, like, <laughs> like she was black. Like it was Here's very. Here's the thing: you, uh, women of that white women specifically of that generation. Yeah, how old are they? They're both. Um, I think Georgia's in her 40s. And okay, that makes sense. Karen is in her late 40s. Okay. 50s. That makes sense. Yeah. So, you know, those white women do tend to whisper the word black. Yeah. It's their accent. Yeah. And, um, you know, not not less annoying because they tend to do it. But I do understand, you know, they've kind of just been whatever they're they, they learn they they're they're learning <laughs> that's something i appreciate about that In podcast years they're, they're very be... open about how much they're learning constantly we gotta edit we're talking about my favorite murder too much <laughs> we gotta edit this down <laughs> we're gonna leave it at my sick burn about you being the georgia <laughs> and then we're gonna um g- keep it moving <laughs> all right whatever um truly and I can't stress this enough, whatever. So um, let's just launch into 
so this episode we talk about, I almost called it the Ashley Simpson murder. <laughs> Wait, you should, can we? <laughs> when Ashley Simpson murdered live music, um, she slaughtered it on camera. Um, no, we're talking about the Ashley Simpson SNL um, lip syncing scandal. And um, do we have any trigger warnings for this episode? No, right? No, I, I think it's our one pretty chill. I bet I bet there's a trigger warning in the, in the listener email. OK, pretty much every listener email we've talked about assault. So <laughs> general blanket content warning. It's content warning now, not trigger warning, right? Is Ugh, that the... I don't know. I don't believe in either of them. <laughs> do you not? No, I don't. Wait, what do you mean you don't believe in it? Um, I just think that I don't... I just, like, don't really jive with the idea of a trigger warning, to be honest. And this is, like, coming from someone who has been triggered by certain things, like, in shows and movies before. But it's one, never helped me not feel triggered. Yeah, I like, definitely I, agree with I, that. I, like, read it. And then I, I forget what I was watching recently that has, like, a really... Oh, uh, uh, I May Destroy You, the mm. pilot, she's date raped in. Yeah. And I was date raped. And I like, they have a uh, trigger warning in the beginning. And I like read it and then my brain just forgot. And then when it came time for her to be date raped, I like was triggered. So it's just like, I don't know. Well, that's but, the whole point is that you're, you can opt out in that moment. I know. So that's, I, that's what I mean. It's like, you can not I guess for a movie or a show, I'm into, for something like this, yeah, sure. I guess it makes sense. When I think of like trigger warnings in the context of like a Twitter, like a tweet or an Instagram post, mm. I'm kind of like suck my dick. Like, <laughs> just like, I don't know. It's like, I don't know. Yeah. I don't know. It feels very like the new school, you know, very like 2010s liberal arts college. I think I I think I personally um, I'm somebody who gets triggered, but my triggers are not generally from content. Mm. It's from like being in the world. You know, I like yeah. when I'm I have like car accident triggers. Yeah. So when I'm like in a car and somebody like turns hard, I'm like triggered or like when somebody says something to me, it can yeah. trigger me. But I personally have never experienced being triggered by I have I guess been triggered by movies and stuff but not like it hasn't happened enough where I've been like wow I really should have been warned yeah um but I understand how it might be the case for some people I'm sure, yeah, I'm sure it's helpful for some people so, I just personally think they're bullshit like they have no, I think it's I was like, but uh, what I was gonna say is that I do sometimes think that there's like people go so overboard with their content yeah. warnings they're like content warning we mentioned snakes. It's like, somebody, what are you talking about? Somebody on Twitter once tweeted at somebody <laughs> and said, you should have put a content warning for describing, I shit you not, Anya, a loving relationship. <laughs> like, and like, I was like, what? Like, Can you hold the mic like this, please? Like that? Yeah, because I cannot hear you. I cannot hear you. Um. <laughs> All right. We were having a familial dispute. <laughs> yeah. the fuck? I'm fired. Um <laughs> <laughs> You're in my studio. <laughs> yeah, Elisa, could you get out of our studio? <laughs> yes, I'll be cut. We are, uh, our studio is um, also sometimes Elisa's bedroom. <laughs> we let Elisa sleep in our studio. <laughs> All right, let's let's move on. Um, our, uh, listener? No, 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 that's, we, that's in the episode. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> we already did that. <laughs> <laughs> Nika still hasn't wrapped her mind around her own podcast, which I, I personally love. Yeah, I am. Um, I have not. Yeah, that's fine. You know, we all bring something <laughs> different to the table. Um, we're we're moving on to uh, this week's mistakes, keepsakes, and hot takes. Mistakes, keepsakes, and hot takes. My mistake of the week um, would be that I got my ears pierced and I don't want to talk about how much money I spent getting them pierced, but it was enough that I'm uncomfortable talking about <laughs> Wait. how much they cost. How much could a banana be? $10? In the words of Kim Kardashian, I think it's rude to talk about money. So I'll leave it at that. But it was quite expensive. Um, so that was my mistake. Um Let's see. What is my keepsake of the week? 
Um, you have pierced ears now. Well, I have pierced ears. Oh, I I am on day five of no nicotine. So I Ooh. guess that would be my keepsake. So that's why you're being such a bitch. <laughs> Fuck you. <laughs> um, what's my hot take of the week? Oh, my hot take of the week is leave David Sedaris alone. <laughs> you're, you're doing your Chris Crocker right now. But everyone, with David is, everyone is really mad at David Sedaris on Twitter today for being a satirist. I just don't. Because he, for context, has a new short video with NPR, I think, where he talks about how we should be able to do citizens arrest of bad uh, service and customer service employees. So like citizens firing. Yes, rather not arrest. Yes, citizens firings. Um, which I think is hilarious. I understand that in the context of a time where everyone pretty much doesn't have a job in this country, maybe it's like a little bit on the nose, but I thought it was hilarious. Everyone's really mad at him on Twitter. Um, and it's really pissing me off. Yeah. People, um, there's kind of two camps. There's people who get satire and think we don't need it anymore because the world is hard enough, which is like... I, the people who think that like satire no longer applies because our world is so fucking crazy, like uh, the world's been fucked up. Yeah, like that's the whole point of satire is pointing that out. It's not like the, this year all of a sudden things got like too real. Uh, but I, there's just good satire and bad satire, and I think a lot of people kind of um, lump it into one category. And then there's the group of people who just don't get satire at all. Yeah, I don't know really what it seems. It's like a lot of fellow comedians on Twitter who are like pissed off at him today. Yeah, but that's always. Well, I know it's like rich. I'm like, you guys literally are like chomping at the bit to tell this joke on like a late night set. I know we really got to comb through all those uh, comedians tweets and find their little satirical. Yeah, (laughs) I'm like, I follow all of you. I see you put out your satirical tweets that some people might think make you like calm down. Yeah. Also, people are like shocked that David Sedaris is being an asshole. That's his whole brand. He's always been like an annoying white fag. Like he's bitchy. Yeah, that's the yeah. He's a white gay guy. Like <laughs> he's a bitch. And I feel like if it were, um, oh man, what is that? There's that gay guy who does a bunch of characters on like Instagram. Um, Benny something. Oh, Benny Drama. Benito Skinner. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I let me refer to him as that guy. <laughs> What do you mean? He's just like, I don't know, people like he's like iconic to so many people. No, I know, I, but not to me. <laughs> I know, that's why I think <laughs> that's it's funny. My point. I mean, we have people in common and I don't think he's I don't think he's not funny. Like, I definitely have laughed at his stuff, yeah. but often I'm a little bit like, OK, so like, yeah, I got it. Like Sarah it's, Cooper. Yeah, sure. <laughs> um, and I think that had he come out with that exact same premise. Oh, yeah. People, people would have, have lapped it. it up. Yeah. But people just like hate libs and they hate like old. Yeah, I mean, David Sedaris NPR people is you know? annoying. I saw him um, at a he did a reading in Providence two years ago and it was the first time I'd seen him perform or like, you know, read live. And he I had like some jokes that I was like, Ugh, like, I don't love these, <laughs> but I was just like, OK, well, I don't love like a lot of jokes that like my baby boomer relatives tell. But I still think like they're funny. Like, yeah. I don't know. Like, it's just like, no, right not, now like, we're in this like obsessive moment of like deciding whose perspectives are valid or not. Yeah. And it's like just because listen, I understand that like older white people have had their time (laughs) white people in general we've had our time i get it but it is it's like a little bit funny that there's like this overall dismissal um just because of that where like we said earlier like had some like pretty much anybody else that we've deemed like good said that exact same joke people Mm -hmm. would like get it Mm -hmm. i mean if like meg stolter did that joke (laughs) Dave, People would be like, this is clearly satire. David Sedaris is an alt comedian. He just missed his time. Yeah, he's an alt Twitter comedian. <laughs> he's a front facing camera comedian. And he just, you know, it, he's trapped in a boomer's body. This is also us formally requesting Meg Stalter, if you're listening, to now do this David Sedaris video, please. Wait, yeah, actually, I would love that. <laughs> I would absolutely love that. 
Um, yeah. Anyway, I get it. I understand. I understand both sides. And I'm not just trying to be a people pleaser with that. I literally do. Um, but it is, you know. Oh, I understand both sides. It's just one is right. And one is like, <laughs> you know. Um, and often I'm on the right side. All right. My mistake and keepsake of the week are yeah. the exact same thing, which was moving. <laughs> moving um, was a mistake, mostly because moving is deeply traumatic and bad <laughs> and nobody should ever do it. <laughs> I hate moving so much. I feel like we have that same like chemical in our brains with moving that they say we have with childbirth where mm-hmm. it's like you forget how awful it was so that you're able to do it again. Oh. That's how I feel about moving. And right now I'm still in the thick of it. So I'm like, I know I remember everyone listen to me. It's bad. It sucks. <laughs> um, but we have to do it sometimes. And I that's why it's also my keepsake because I do really like my new apartment. I have a backyard. I have a backyard in Brooklyn, in Bushwick. Um, a huge bedroom. Huge. Yeah. Huge bedroom, huge backyard. Two my bathrooms. own My own bathroom. Um, I just love it. I love my, my apartment, and I'm very glad I moved, so that's why it's also my keepsake. But I just heed my warning. If you're considering moving, really take into consideration how physically and emotionally draining moving is. Um, and then my hot take, and this it pertains to the episode at hand. Um, my hot take is that Miley Cyrus's new album, mm. which is phenomenal, phenomenal, not a single skip, not a single skip on the album. I fucking love it. But my hot take, and this is controversial, I don't think that this album would have been possible without the existence of Ashley Simpson in pop music. Okay. Boom. Boom. Explain, because I I like get it, but explain, please. If you listen to the the album, it is very much um, like Ashley Simpson would have released pretty much any of these songs, Mm, you know, like this is what Ashley Simpson was trying to do. But like early 2000s pop wouldn't let her make something Mm. this, you know, like this much of a spectacle of an album. Yeah, But it is so much what she was trying to do. And, you know, her dumb dad (laughs) wouldn't let her they they really watered her down I think Mm. but she like you know she walked so that Miley could run with having like this being like a a underestimated pop female musician coming out with like a rock and roll sound that's my that's my take obviously this album would be would be possible without Ashley Simpson I just I hear what you mean yeah yeah anyway that's my hot take um, because I think that since this episode is about Ashley Simpson, uh, and that is a thought that I had <laughs> that I didn't think like if I tweeted it, anyone would care. I was like, well, I'll put it on the podcast. Um, all right. So finally, our like cultural pop culture news fuck up of the week. What do we think that was this week? Fuck up of the week. I think it was probably that person on Twitter that um, <laughs> promoted her OnlyFans oh. under that tweet about what was it? About the uh, huge strike in India, the workers' yeah. strike in India. Yeah. This um, white woman promoted her OnlyFans under her own viral tweet. Though. Yeah. No, I understand. I understand why it's like a little bit ridiculous how much everyone cares, <sighs> but it was a viral tweet about. I know. <laughs> I know. It's like I woke up to that. I woke up and all I saw was like a guy making fun of her. So I like retweeted the tweet and essentially was like, fuck this. Like mm-hmm. everyone just hates like girls who are only fans, LOL, whatever. And like a bunch of people put like like tweeted underneath my tweet and were like, well, this is what happened. And like, this is what she did. And I like deleted the tweet because I was like, well, I still like stand by what I said. Yeah. Um, and I really avo- heavily avoided at all costs the discourse war that day. But I personally, I really don't. I don't get I'm like 200,000 people a day are dying. Like, I just don't. Well, this I is think, what people are mad about on Twitter. It just doesn't really. I don't get it. I think the reason that this is the mistake of the week is because both her doing it and people's out of proportion reaction to it yeah. are a mistake. You okay. know, both. Yeah, things. I agree with you. Um, I don't think that she was at all 
it was appropriate at all of her to do that. But I also don't think that it was like an appropriate reaction to her doing it. I understand. Apparently, she's like deeply despised on Twitter, which is its own beast that I don't agree with, where it's like, this is a certified hated account. <laughs> <laughs> we, we've all come together like, and get agreed. Get your pitchforks out of the basement, out we of storage. We are sharpening our... <laughs> <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Um, so there's, you know, that justification was everyone's like, well, she already sucked. So that's why we came for her when she she did something it's shitty. So um, I know. Fuck that. But also, um, I'm annoyed at both her and everyone else for how much this r- continues to like stigmatize slash make a joke out of online sex work. That's why I was pissed. Yeah, because yeah. I was like, I could tell that the majority of people who were coming for her fell into the camp of people who will use a girl on OnlyFans, yeah. especially like a hot girl on OnlyFans, conventionally hot girl on OnlyFans, to like, you know, tear her down over something that they don't actually care about. These were just people chomping at the bit to hate a woman for making money off yeah. of being hot. And once again, I don't think what she did was chill, but I do think that people reacted the way they did partially out of deep-seated whorephobia. And yeah, with that, absolutely. let's get into the episode. <laughs> <laughs> let's do it. Let's do it. And he has the camera close to his face and he goes, so are you going to squirt or what? It's so hot. That's okay. You know what? <laughs> so are you going to squirt or what? That's going to be the name of this episode. <laughs> Has nothing to do with anything that we're about to talk about. But here's the thing. Are you? I also famously watch celebrities leaked sex tapes. And that's a choice that you can make. I love it. You're if, free to do if so. If they're hot, they're hot. Yeah. I mean, I, I personally, for me, it's like, the consent issue. I know. No, no, no. Hold on. Hold on. <laughs> I'm not schooling you. I was about to give you my take on what I figured you okay, already what's your, knew What's about. your take? My take is that the consent thing <laughs> is important, obviously. But as someone who has very leakable sexual content of myself mm-hmm. online, the more famous people who have leaked sexual stuff online the better for my career i agree so i'm not mad that these things exist i'm mad at the invasion of these people's privacy i know like uh, individually but on a grander scale i'm grateful he for also it. got catfished for those videos like he wasn't texting a girl it was someone who fully baited him into that so That's, that they could leak them which i think is so funny you are this is a little bit of victim blaming but i do love it we should have a whole episode i just would love Wait. to be the person who was smart enough to get noah centineo to jack off yeah, no, camera that's- for me Iconic, no question. Yeah, I'm obviously. It should kind be of- the plot to his next next uh, Netflix rom com. <laughs> yeah, it will be. <laughs> There's one about that fat girl trying who like catfishes. Yes. Him, so yeah. yeah. There, so, I mean, true. that could be this. That could be the sequel. <laughs> yeah, yeah. She comes like, back. She for comes more. back and gets gets his jacking off video and, and it's shows like, him to the whole high school. And here's the thing: I only want Netflix to take like here. Netflix, this idea is yours. You don't even have to pay us for it. At all. Only. If him actually jacking off, off is part in the of movie. the movie, in the movie, I want to see full cum. Yeah, no, I out. want I want full frontal <laughs> Noah Dick. That's that what I want. Taurus cock. Yeah. Ugh. Um, what were we talking about? <laughs> Wait, actually, this actually segues perfectly into our listener mistake. Listener mistakes. Oh, I was gonna say we should have a, f- a whole episode about celebrity. Uh- stuff I would like love that. To do that yeah where we we both just talk about all of them because it, every time it's okay we'll we'll get further into it but i do i love that like the juxtaposition between the you know ones that were genuine genuine leaks like i think jennifer lawrence did not mean to have her stuff leaked oh i didn't even know her stuff has been leaked it's just nudes it's oh, not like okay. a video so but but you know yeah but like i think that was like a sincere invasion of her privacy yeah versus like some questionable publicity stunts and i think that'll be Kim an interesting I'm not saying I'm not accusing her of that, but it has been speculated. Yes. So our listener mistake this week, um, this person emailed in, did not tell us whether or not um, he wanted us to use his real name. Um, And based on the content of this mistake, I'm just going to safely assume that they want to remain anonymous. So this is Joe Schmo. This is Joe Schmo. From Montana. um, From Montana. (laughs) All of Montana, no specific <laughs> town. 
Okay, maybe nine or ten years ago, I was coming home on the bus at night and saw this old quadriplegic man in an electric wheelchair get off the bus and have trouble controlling his wheelchair. He smelled of alcohol, too. I noticed him having trouble, so I asked him if he needed any help moving across the street. He said yes, but after we crossed, he asked me if I could push him home. I was hesitant, but after he said it was just a couple blocks and considering the state he was in and the time of night, I agreed. We got to his apartment and he asked me to help him get to bed. I helped him get to bed and then he asked me if I could give him a hand job. I said no and he said he would pay me. I said no again and that I wouldn't feel right taking his money. It didn't look like he was in any way someone who had any disposable income. After multiple back and forths in which he was persistently begging, since I was in college and my financial rate, my financial aid ran out, dot, 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 I agreed. I don't think he completed, but after a while he said it was enough and that he would pay me when his check would come tomorrow. So I showed up the next day and he said the check didn't come yet and to try again next week. I tried again the next week and he said it still didn't come. He said it would he said it with a look in his eyes like they were big with a bit of fear. I realized he had either made a deal he wasn't financially prepared for or he never intended to make good on his promise. Regardless, it was a very uncomfortable situation for me to be in as as well. So I made my peace with being conned and I stopped following up. There was never a next time for me, but I learned if there is a next time, I will make sure to collect the money up front. Oh my God. Yeah. As someone who engages in what I call light sex work, I'm like horrified for him. Yeah. For the person who did it. But also it's like, if I were that paraplegic man... Sport, it's, like it's a complicated you know, it's a complicated uh story because you know. i feel for both of them yeah um and i think that this listener who sent us um this mistake i think their perspective is the mistake was not making them not taking the money up front more than it was doing the act in itself yeah um because i think everyone can agree that man needed it <laughs> Totally. Yeah. That man needed the touch of another human. And he was apparently willing to con a random stranger um, in order to get that, um, which is sexual assault. Yeah. um, But is also very sad. (laughs) And it just falls into a whole gray area of like, what even is sexual assault? Because I'm sure like that man didn't think he was sexually assaulting that guy. Yeah. By getting a free hand job. Right. Who knows? Maybe he did think that the check was going to come. I mean, it was like disability. Who knows? That. I mean, I, I've done a lot of crazy fucking shit for money in moments of desperation, yes. but I've never had that happen to me. Well, I think you and I, um, especially as women, are not as likely to enter a stranger's home. No. So I don't think that exact scenario comes up for us very often. But it may but, have before I transitioned. Sure. I did yeah, yeah, lots yeah. of like brazen sexual shit when totally. I was a fag. Totally. Um, and I, I'll, I also, as I said that, I've entered plenty of strangers homes but under other pretenses you know it's also i mean that is like for if this person is listening who sent this in um i feel like that's something that almost every sex worker has gone through yes so even even if he's not a sex worker but totally you it's always tricky getting that money we've all fucked up the money part at some point um because well here's something and this is just for anybody listening because i think a lot of our listeners are sex workers or aspiring sex workers um because that's for both of us a big part of our like online um like what we talk about online a lot Mm -hmm. so if you're listening and um you're new to sex work or maybe you've gone through this yourself or maybe you're transitioning into more types of sex work you're going to come across a lot of customers clients that are not new to sex work they're going to smell your greenness mm-hmm. and they're going to take advantage of it by trying to say like, oh, well, I never had to pay up front before or like, oh, I've never um, like they'll try to kind of back you into the corner of you're the you're the one scamming them. Mm-hmm. This is especially with sugar babying. I've noticed. Yes. They're like, I don't pay for a, just the meetup. And it's like, well, babe, that's how it works. So you're just trying to take advantage of the fact that you think I might not know that that's how that works. So anyway. Money up front, always, 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 always. If they're not going to pay up front, they're not the kind of, they're not a client you want. This applies to romantic relationships too. If they're not going to meet your standards immediately, 
you, there's no training people into being the right person for you, whether it's uh, interpersonally or professionally. Mm-hmm. And speaking of sugar babying for anyone, because I feel everyone gets involved in that at some point. Speaking of sugar babying, my one piece of advice after having done it myself is if you lay out the terms of what you want the money side of it to be, don't get entangled with these men clients who try to manipulate you because it happened to me into the they often will do the well that just feels so transactional what if I just you know I'll I'll give you I'll give you money when you need it for these things like I had a guy do that for me it's like it is a transaction that's why it feels transactional to you babe you're 70 and I'm me (laughs) fully transactional this is a full transaction we're having yeah so just imagine, don't do that. Imagine going into any other job, job and being like, ooh, this feels so transactional. Can I just like pay you when you need it? It's like, sir, this is a Wendy's. Yeah. <laughs> like Next. just you you need to pay for your burger, for your square patty. Okay. <laughs> um, so thank you, listener. I am glad to hear that you learned um a valuable lesson of money up front always, but I'm sorry to hear how you learned it. And I and if it was traumatic for you at all, you're not alone. Um, statistically, so many of us have been in some version of um, that situation because what happened to you was assault. And I don't want that to um, like you didn't even say that word anywhere in your uh, in your letter to us. Um, so I just want you to know in case you were like gaslighting yourself or you didn't even know. <laughs> you were assaulted and that's why it stuck with you. And we get yelled at next week for gaslighting this man into believing he was assaulted. <laughs> Listen, I'm not trying to like, if you're not traumatized by it, I'm not saying you should be. I'm just saying if you are living with some trauma, don't feel like uh, that's not valid. And even if that wasn't assault, bad sexual interactions can be yeah. traumatizing if even if they're not assault. But like false pretenses is assault. Not that there is a tweet going around right now. I don't know if because Nika's been off social media. There is a kind of a hubbub about um, a tweet where someone was like, if you uh, have sex with someone knowing it's going to be a one time thing, but they might think you're going to be in a relationship, that's assault. Well, and I'm going to go ahead and say that that's not exactly the false pretenses that I think. (laughs) Fuck that. That sounds like when people tell me that I used to fuck men a lot and I wouldn't after I had bottom surgery and I wouldn't tell them that I was trans (laughs) because it's quite frankly no one's fucking business. Right. Sorry, go repeat that line again because I sneezed. Oh, um, I get uh, like I've been told by a lot of people, men and women, that it's like coercive or could like border on sexual assault when I don't tell men that I'm trans before fucking them because that's like a false pretense. So yeah, like, but fuck, fuck that. Di- well, just fuck this discourse, you know, relates to that. Also, I hate Twitter so much and I'm so glad to be off of it right now, <laughs> but I do miss dipping my toes into some meaty, steamy discourse. Yes. Um, so hopefully maybe this will have sparked some discourse. I'm, I'm not the person who decides what is and isn't assault. So if you disagree with me, feel free to chime in. I but, am, <laughs> but Nika is and Nika agrees with me. Um, okay. So, <laughs> so let's get into, um, this week's mistake. And before we do, I, uh, I welcome you, Nika, to tell me a deep dive mistake from your past to kind of set the tone mm. for this mistake from history that I'm going to tell us all about. Okay. Deep dive. Deep dive. So my deep dive mistake, um, I dated a guy a few years ago. His name is Andre. Um, he was the neighborhood barista um, in my neighborhood in Providence. Anyway, it was a tumultuous, like month long situationship where I was very in love with him. And after he broke up with me. It was a horrible way to break up with a person. After he broke up with me, I went into... I spent three months going into the coffee shop that he worked at every single day. And, like, sometimes multiple times a day. Um, And (laughs) some would call that light stalking. (laughs) Some stalking, diet stalking. Diet stalking. It, like, totally was stalking, but also, like, there are three coffee shops on Broadway, which is the street I lived off of. That was the best one. I was also friends with like people who worked there. Whatever I was talking about. Yeah, life. okay. <laughs> um, but like, it was like crazy. Like I, I literally, the day after he broke up with me, I went 
to that coffee shop and sat in there for three hours drinking cold brew with my sunglasses on listening to I'd rather go blind and just like glaring at him from behind. <laughs> I used to like I went in one time because I had memorized his schedule and I knew when he was working alone and I went in one night when I knew he was working alone to yell at him for blocking my number and then ordered a crepe and a coffee and paid for all of it in loose change. Oh, my God. And I watched him count it. <laughs> um, I, like, made him. I was like, I want to know that, like, I'm not overpaying you. Um, and <laughs> None of that is a tip. Yeah, yeah, no. He do, had, not, do not use these quarters for laundry. He um, And I'll get into the backstory one day of why he deserved this, but this was my mistake. Um, <laughs> this was your bad. <laughs> he eventually quit that job, which I told him, I was like, you're going to end up quitting this job. Like, uh, this is my coffee shop. I've won it in the custody battle. Um, and he ended up quitting. And on his last day, I went in and I was like, oh, no, Andre, like, I heard that you're like leaving. Like, <laughs> you what are? happened? I thought you really loved this job. <laughs> <laughs> You're um, not well. <laughs> no, I wasn't at the time. Um, I have never done that with a guy since, and I never will again. But um, no, it's okay. You've told me about this guy. He did deserve it, but um, but what you did was wrong. <laughs> Absolutely, and that's okay. I can, as I said last episode, I contain a multitude of things. All right, so. <laughs> thank you for setting the tone. Oh my God, thank you for allowing me to. <laughs> um, that mistake. Uh, is so similar to the mistake we're going to talk about today in so many ways. Uh, Where to begin, really? Best mistake. Okay, this is how it's similar. Um, A psychotic Aquarius uh, really took the reins and ruined multiple people's careers. Um, And in this case, it's only uh, his barista career, but... You're, you are Ashley Simpson's dad in this. <laughs> so today we're going to be talking about Ashley Simpson. Yes. Um, her her dad uh, is an Aquarius and Nika is an Aquarius. So that is the parallel I drew. Um, so just for, for some background, of course, the mistake I will be launching into is the iconic Saturday Night Live lip syncing uh, extravaganza that yes. happened um, in October of 2004. But before we get into that, I just want to give everyone some context on like what led up to that, who we're dealing with going into those circumstances. Um, so Ashley Nicole Simpson was born on October 3rd, 1984 in Waco, Texas. And here's the thing. No good things come out of Waco. <laughs> Ashley's a good thing, but you know, her the, the subsequent mistake wasn't great. Um, Wait, is Waco, Texas where that... Yeah. Okay. okay. <laughs> yes, it is. I was trying to figure it out. <laughs> no, I love that for you. It also could be a different Waco. I did not confirm, but I was like, <laughs> Waco, got it, <laughs> where uh, tragedy strikes, yes. including um, Ashley Simpson, the seeds of Ashley Simpson's um, uh, mistake 20 years later was planted the day she was born to a crazy man. <laughs> okay, I'm going to get sued for... Um, <laughs> for defamation here's the thing joe simpson was a a former psychologist and uh baptist youth minister when he had his children he had his children his first child famously jessica simpson when he was only like 22 years old so i don't know how he's already formerly both of those things but maybe maybe um what this what wikipedia meant is that he is currently formerly those things okay you know what i mean yeah (laughs) He probably wrote the page himself. He's an Aquarius. <laughs> yeah. Oh, my God. He probably did. Um, but the reason I keep calling him uh, a controlling and like possibly crazy, allegedly crazy Aquarius is because he um, was one of the first like uh, of of what we know it to be now, like Hollywood momager, dadager, like nightmare. Um, He kind of, he walked so that Kris Jenner could run in a way that I think a lot of people don't understand. Um, And he is ultimately to blame for um, the SNL flub, but we'll get into that later. Um, So Jessica Simpson was already born as she's the older sibling of the Simpsons. Um, And Ashley, uh, Ashley and Jessica had like, 
show business dreams pretty early on. But Jessica was the one who was openly like the singer of the family. And Jessica or yeah, Jessica was the singer. Ashley was more of um like a performer in general. She started dancing at three years old and she was actually the youngest person ever to be admitted into the School of American Ballet in New York City when she was 11 years old. The reason for that was because her... Her father, Joe Simpson, lied on her application about her age, um, which is the beginning signs of the ways he would cut corners for his children and ultimately set them up for failure. Um, They moved to L.A. in 1999 so that Jessica could pursue singing. um, And that was around the like, that's the year that Britney became Britney. That's the year Jessica became Jessica. Um, in many ways, that's the year like Justin Timberlake became Justin Timberlake. Like 1999 was the year of like all these pop stars becoming Christina Aguilera, et cetera, et cetera. 1999 was like a big year for these um, white blonde Christians. <laughs> 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 and um, so Jessica pretty quickly was became Jessica Simpson. Like they moved to L.A. and Ashley was immediately the like unknown younger sister of internationally famous Jessica Simpson, but Ashley wasn't a singer. So she was like fine with it. And she just became one of Jessica's backup dancers. And when I say one of her backup dancers, I mean like one of like 20, like it wasn't like she was like sharing the stage (laughs) with her sister. She was like in the background, Um, but she started doing some commercial work and their father, Joe acted as an agent for both of them. Um, And so he was really pushing her for her acting career. She appeared in a bunch of random TV shows. She was in Malcolm in the Middle for like one episode um, and eventually landed a a recurring role on Seventh Heaven, famously a show that Haley Duff is in. So in many ways, a show for the less famous sisters of families. Um, Shout out to Seventh Heaven for really giving these girls something to live for while their other while their sister becomes a superstar. It was a waiting room for lesser <laughs> siblings of famous kids. Um she recorded a Christmas song um in I think 2003 that ended up on a Radio Disney Christmas album and it's a very like it is so Ashley Simpson this Editing. song but it's like it's truly her her brand before we even knew what her brand was. It's like a punk rock Christmas song. Oh, I love that. I'm obsessed with it. It's really good. And then she also recorded a song for the Freaky Friday soundtrack. Oh, wow. Which is what got her um, a release. Like, she got signed to release her debut album um, with a record label because of that Freaky Friday song. What was the album called? Her, her, her debut. Well, so we're getting into that. Oh, okay, okay, sorry. So she's now signed for the album, but she hasn't released it yet. Okay, all of this, we're it's all leading up to because her album comes out right before the SNL thing. So oh, okay, that would make sense. Yeah. So at the same time, Jessica and Nick um, get signed on MTV for their own reality TV show called Newlyweds. And if you grew up in the two thousands, this show raised you. <laughs> <laughs> this show was a, like an extreme hit. It's one of the first of its genre of like celebrity, like celebrities letting you into their life, which is now like an entire subset of television in and of itself. But um, Jessica and and her husband at the time, Nick Lachey, really blazed that trail. And so therefore, once again, another way that Chris Jenner ultimately um, copied Joe Simpson because it was his idea. She is. She's gonna send us a cease and desist Who? for the Chris Jenner. <laughs> yeah, she's podcast. like, no, I thought of all of and this. I'm trying to own. be friends with them. No, when I, I get the, famous. I love the Kardashians. I know you do, but but um, I mean, I also think that they're like corrupt and evil. <laughs> totally. I, I don't <laughs> think that, guys. If you're listening, <laughs> <laughs> but yes, you know, I do. I do as like somebody who loves pop culture. I love them. You know what I mean? Um. Like, rather than loving the people, I love the idea. So anyway, um, the show was such a hit that Ashley... And Ashley's on the show because she is Jessica's sister. So she gets her own spinoff pretty much immediately called the Ashley Simpsons show. Ashley Simpson show. Not the Ashley Simpsons show. (laughs) (laughs) It's just like the Simpsons, but Ashley is the voice of all the characters. (laughs) It's her raspy punk rock voice. Um. In many ways, Ashley does have Marge's voice, but we'll <laughs> we'll circle back. Um, so the show focuses on primarily on Ashley's music career because um, it the they record the show while she's recording her first studio album. Um, 
called Autobiography. Is that her first one? Yeah, I think so. With pieces of yeah, pieces of me is the lead yes. single. Yeah, um, I read her Wikipedia page like four times preparing for this, and I'm like, I forgot to write down which order You're the so albums diligent came out. With your homework, well, I, I was also because it's fascinating. The story <laughs> gets weird. <laughs> yeah, for anyone so, listening, I've been waiting for Anya to tell me about this story <laughs> for, and I refused to like look it up myself because I wanted her to tell me. Yeah, everyone just thinks that she was lip syncing, like you know, your neighborhood Britney Spears or something but there was all this re- there's all this like drama around why she was lip syncing on SNL and that's what we're getting to so the show focuses on her music career because it's all about her recording her first album and throughout the show she's like constantly trying to differentiate herself from pop stars and um, without being too pointed about it it's pretty clear to the viewer that she's trying to differentiate herself from one pop star in particular her older sister Jessica Simpson um but not unlike her older sister, uh, she does have a very publicity stunt-like relationship in the show that um, many people speculate her dad kind of contrived mm-hmm. um, with Ryan Cabrera. I don't know if you guys remember oh, yes. On the Way Down mm-hmm. <laughs> and that um, that music video has Ashley Simpson in it and they conveniently kept breaking up right after the show was done filming and getting back together when the show started filming again. And I think... Her dad was also his agent or something, or there's something to do with her dad being like a suit in his music career as well. So it's just like very obvious that they actually never dated, um, allegedly. Really (laughs) pimping out his daughters. Yeah. Um, And so Simpsons debut album um, came out at the end of the first season. So like all this culminated, you know, like her sister is a super famous superstar and she's in her sister's TV show. Now she has her own TV show. And in the TV show, we're watching her record this album. America's like rooting for her. You know, she's the underdog. She's the punk rock little sister who's coming out with her album, which she co-wrote like all the music for very openly was like, I'm not like other pop stars. I write my music. Um, So the album does very well immediately. It, um, I think what the stat is that, um, it came out in July of 2004 and it sold 2.5 million copies in the U S alone by January, 2005, which in those years, um, was very good. It was, excuse me. It was the highest selling debut album of any female artist that year. Debut album being the keyword. Um, so like huge success. She's on cloud nine. She's like, I did it. I'm a pop star too. Although she, she wasn't a pop star in her mind. She's a punk, punk rock star. But you know, she was like, uh, out of her sister's shadow. She was doing the thing. Um, and on July 23rd, 2004, which was a Saturday, if this is any clue of what happened that day, um, she, is invited. Well, she was already invited and since accepted the invitation and is now performing on um, Saturday Night Live, merely 20 days after turning 20 years old. Oh, my God. <laughs> um, and she has uh, a performance that changes her life forever. And if you were alive back then, um, you'll remember this was an enormous deal. Do you remember this happening? Oh, I remember this more than I remember my parents getting divorced. I, right? Okay. I think that like, I I think I because like, I was really young. 2004. Let's see. I was like eight years old. Um, I remember my parents like talking about it. Yeah. I remember my mom making fun of her. Yeah. I remember. And I was like, what happened? And like, I vaguely knew who she was, but I was eight. So it's like, I, you know, I knew who she was because I also I, loved that album. Too, yeah. Because so pe- Pieces of Me was like, I really jam. liked Pieces of Me. But, you know, like in the way that an eight year old maybe isn't as aware of like the pop culture story behind everything. I was like, wait, what happened? And I didn't know what Saturday Night Live was. But I do remember that being the first time I'd ever heard of Saturday Night Live. Um, and the first time I ever like really thought about celebrities as like people who mess up Mm. maybe I mean I don't know maybe I had thought about it before because I I, like vaguely remember little things but like this was people she was being mocked in such a huge way that I remember it being like um it like occurred to me that not everything on tv is like scripted and planned and perfect I remember watching it like I watched it happen on Saturday Night Live oh really wow I didn't watch Saturday Night Live but I did I did hear about it um 
Anyway, so leading up to the show, here's the story of how that happened, why that happened. So leading up to the show, um, when Ashley decided to do music, um, it was really kind of out of the blue. She just like kind of realized like she listened to like pop punk and was just like um, she realized she had the right like she her whole life. Her sister was the singer. And I think she just was like, oh, I have like a pretty good voice. Um once she realized she like took it out of like the like gospel that her sister had like that context that her sister had always been the like star in. Mm-hmm. Um, so her dad kind of just took her floating the idea that she also does music and like immediately got like money symbols in his eyes and was like, great, we're doing it. Mm-hmm. Um, and kind of just threw her into the deep end, um, assuming she could like swim in the pop star, like rapid river mm-hmm. <laughs> and did not prepare her at all. For example, for her first ever live show, she had never performed up until this point. She recorded an entire studio album, had never ever, rec- ever performed live. Um, for her first live show, they like publicize it and make it at a huge LA, um, venue. And, um, she's so late to the sound check that she basically misses it entirely. She's never had those little earpieces put in before. She's never like performed with a live band before. They had rehearsed together, but never like in a venue. And, um, that was like her first. And this is all documented on the Ashley Simpson show. Like if you watch that show, there's an episode that's all about her being running late to the sound check and stressing out. And then it all ends up OK in the end. But it's very obvious that um, while she and her mom are like stuck in traffic 45 minutes late to sound check and then the show goes great. You can see and hear that they're not using her real vocals in that performance, mm. which plants the seed, I think, of her. That's how she performs live. Yeah. Um, she does apparently a couple times after that perform live with her real vocals. Um, but I think like I think that was the moment where they were like, oh, when it's like really high stakes, we don't need you to sing live. Like, we'll just play the backing vocals. It's fine. Um, and so that being her first ever performance, I think, was what uh, kind of sealed the deal for um, when she went on to Saturday Night Live. Friday night, they had a rehearsal. She sang live and it was great. It went perfectly. Everyone was like, great. We can't wait for you to sing your local, your your, your real vocals tomorrow on Saturday Night Live. Um, little did everyone know. So then she goes out to eat to celebrate with her friends that night, um, having just been diagnosed with acid reflux and a deviated septum. Oh, no. <laughs> she goes out to eat at a sushi restaurant. I forget what it's called. It's a really famous one that's known as basically being a nightclub and a sushi restaurant. So in order to talk, they're yelling at the top of their lungs, about how great tomorrow's going to be. Oh, no. And they're drinking alcohol. This bitch with acid reflux is screaming and drinking alcohol the night before the biggest performance of her life. Oh, God, to be 20 years old again. <laughs> also, yeah, she's 20. And she's ugh, to be famous and be able to be served right. alcohol at these places. Anyway, it was also New York City in the early 2000s. They kind of just served everyone alcohol. But anyway, um, so she wakes up. And this, once again, all documented on her TV show. Feel free to watch uh, if you can find random clips of it on YouTube. But there, it's haunting because she doesn't know yet. She doesn't know how much she's fucking up her life yeah. forever. Um, so she's like eating sushi. She's so excited to be on Saturday Night Live. She wakes up the next day and has a little bit of a hoarse voice. But she's Ashley Simpson. She always has a little bit of a hoarse voice. So she doesn't think anything of it. They they cont- they go on to order mountains of room service um bacon eggs cheese pineapple acid 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 <laughs> and um she uh and she also like right on the heels of screaming last night at this sushi restaurant um so as the day goes on her voice is slipping further and further into um the abyss and uh essentially rather than resting her voice she just like continues to talk throughout the day about about tonight and what they're gonna do tonight and how her voice is starting to feel funny by the time it actually reaches time to perform she can't sing so they're like great we'll do what we did 
at that first ever show you did. And we'll just throw on some backing vocals. It's Saturday Night Live. It'll be fine. It's TV. They do this all the time, which is true, actually. She's just the first one who got caught Caught, doing it. But, um, you know, when your sound check goes so well the night before and everyone's so excited for you to sing live, uh, that's like a huge bummer because she didn't need to. She did not need to have her her backing vocals um, be her performance. Anyway, um, as we all know, she sings, as we all know, if you remember this in detail, <laughs> she sings, quote unquote, she performs the first song, which is her single at the time, Pieces of Me. Um, and without a hitch, nobody notices. Things go great. And everyone's like, wow, Ashley Simpson, we're so proud of you. We can't wait for performance number two. Because as you know, on Saturday Night Live, you have two performances. Oh, I never, I totally forgot that. So, <laughs> so um, they're like, woo, we are getting away with this. Um, performance two comes around. Jude Law is the uh, host that evening. So if you want to just kind of imagine with me, ladies and gentlemen, once again, Ashley Simpson. <laughs> <laughs> And Pieces of Me starts playing again. Um, everyone freezes. Ashley, most notably, freezes. Um, and at this point, her vocals haven't come in yet. So it just kind of seems like her band is playing the wrong song. But then her band also freezes. So they're not even playing. Oh, God. <laughs> and the, the song is still going. And then her voice comes in. Oh, no. <laughs> And she's not singing. Oh, and she as we the the iconic move um she like does a little bit of a jig (laughs) she like tap dances as like a whoops my voice is playing and i'm not singing and um according to her there's like panic all over the room like people you know the like people with the headsets and the clipboards behind the camera are like go to camera three you know like everyone's just like let's we gotta move on um and it like cuts out and it's a whole mess everyone's panicking um and at the end of the show um when she's saying goodbye to everyone with jude law and and company you know at the end of snl they like um the cast and everyone says goodbye Mm -hmm. um let me see i'm trying to find the quote so um yeah (laughs) she at the end of the show, alongside host Jude Law, Simpson passed off the blame onto her band. I feel so bad, she said to the camera. My band started playing the wrong song, and I didn't know what to do, so I thought I'd do a hoedown. I'm sorry. It's live TV. Things happen. I'm sorry. However, in the days that followed, Simpson was quoted by MTV as claiming to have lost her voice because of acid reflux under doctor's orders was ordered to use backup tracks. It's so embarrassing because it sucks, she said. The total situation was a bummer. I made a complete fool of myself. With the media uh, not slowing down, and it's so true, they could not stop making fun of her like for weeks. To this day, Mad TV did a sketch about it. The fact that Mad TV did a sketch about something that happened on SNL, its competing sketch show, shows how huge it is. Anyway, um, uh, so with the media not slowing down, the singer then took to her official website to admit to lip syncing. I can't cancel something like SNL, Simpson apparently wrote. You and I know that if I synced on it or not i'd get seen by millions maybe even make a few more fans i'll hold my head high and say i think i w- it was silly of me to do it silly of me to blame the band i was just so fucking embarrassed but i didn't think uh i but i didn't think it did me much harm the people will see that soon um obviously did it like followed her for the rest of her career her subsequent album did fine like she's had multiple albums since then all of them did fine none of them have been met with the reception of her debut album um she did some things like following that for like she kind of made it her brand to be Mm. like unapologetically yourself and Mm. to like own your past um, but then she got a nose job, which everyone was like, what? <laughs> Cause her whole thing was being like authentic and like accepting your flaws and like being who you are. And here's the thing, nothing wrong with getting a nose job, but it is kind of like if your whole thing is accepting your flaws and then you get a nose job when your fans who look up to you, like can't afford one. And they've been like looking to you as a beam of hope as like somebody who's like being real in Hollywood, 
you're just going to lose some of their good faith. I personally don't think there's anything wrong with her getting a nose job, but I understand yeah. why it ended up really negatively impacting um, her following. Um, and she did eventually, she was on um, uh, Look What Happens Live with Andy Cohen. And um, she basically admitted to the whole thing being her fault and was like, it was my fault. She like blamed the drummer at one point because the drummer was the one who was supposed to hit play on the next backing track. Mm. There's all this like, you know, everyone was kind of bouncing around blame. It was like Saturday Night Live's fault at one point. Um, But on this show, she was like, it was my fault. I should have just postponed. Um, They had her on back. Nobody talks about her second time on Saturday Night Live when nothing wrong happened. So she's like, the fact that they even had me back after that happened just goes to show that they would have had no problem just like postponing me. Um, however, I still to this day think that the majority of the blame can be put on her dad because he continued throughout her career to just kind of put her in situations to make money and did not prepare her for them. Um, so that's kind of, I mean, I think it's big of her to admit her own, like what she did. Um, because yeah, ultimately it could have been her call, but I also think maybe it couldn't have been. Think about like all the pop stars who like, it's not really their decision what they do. Yeah. Um, but anyway, she's part of the Diana Ross empire now. Like she's fine. And her sister's washed up and washed out. Yes. And it's all okay. Yeah. Um, but I do think it's interesting that like nobody really know, like even though it was all documented on her TV show, nobody ever kind of acknowledges all the shit that culminated, uh, that like created that incident. People just are like, yeah, stupid Ashley Simpson and her stupid lip syncing and her dumb hoedown. It's like, it's way more complicated than that. I don't really think it was entirely her fault. And I don't think she's necessarily somebody who was like planning on being a, like, she went into pop trying to not be a pop star. Yeah. And I don't think it was ever her intention to be somebody who was known for lip syncing. I think yeah. she actually was trying to be like a rough around the edges person who sang live. And then just twice in a row, her dad was like, oh, this is an emergency where you should cancel, but we're not going to. Let's just put backing vocals on. I know, but nuance, unfortunately, does not sell (laughs) in the media, especially in the early 2000s. Yeah. Um, So I do just want to... um, uh, I do want to credit i did listening listen to a podcast called lay do you remember this by um dara lane she's very funny that podcast is amazing it's lay do like the famous la club that like paris hilton and all them used to hang out at but it's lay do you remember this that's how you can find it and then i quoted far out magazine's article about um the ashley simpson thing with those quotes so those are, the, those are the credits. Do you have any takeaways? Did you learn any lessons? Moral of the story. I definitely learned, um, and I th- this made me like think again about how critical everyone was of her, yeah. and how like mired in misogyny. I think it was. I mean, I remember my mother making fun of her. My mom was like a 40-year-old woman making fun of a 20-year-old. I know, she's 20. Fucking loser. Can you imagine being 20 and having that public of an embarrassing mistake? So just that, like not being, and I try not to do that as an adult, being so hard on female celebrities, especially when they make like little silly fuck-ups. It's like funny. It should have been funny. Yeah. They really, I remember the media really trying to make her like a villain. I know. it's like, it's fucking SNL. If that happened this year, she would be the one making jokes about it and everyone would be like inviting her on to She would have been on Watch What Happens like, Live within the hour. Yeah. Like talk exactly. like unpacking it with Andy Cohen and Bethany Frankel. Yeah, exactly. Um, so yeah, it was very much a very 2004 incident, you know? Like that's back when like that's like a mere couple of years before the media eats Britney Spears alive. Like it's very that was back when the way to sell magazines, the way to sell TV shows was to just be like, this woman sucks. Yeah, it was a dark time for um, all of us. Yeah. In this country. 
Yeah, a lot of low, low rise, rise jeans. <laughs> yeah. and the fucking media. Yeah, but I will say that her subsequent albums are some of my favorite albums of all time, and I really recommend listening to um, New York Times's podcast uh, Popcast. And they have a whole episode about Ashley Simpson's discography, where they were very oh. thoughtful and like very. Um, they praise the hell out of it, basically, and I agree with every single word they say because I, just... I think that she's a visionary and um, one of the voices of our generation. <laughs> um, I love her. <laughs> I can tell. I love that you love her. I hope one day we get a song with her and her mother-in-law, Diana yeah. Ross. I think that would be gorgeous. Her husband, Evan Ross, and she released a weird duet. Yeah. Yeah, he's like the like no one cares about him. Yeah, he's like one of the Rosses that's just famous for being a Ross and yeah. hasn't really done much. Tracy Ellis with the name. Ross really takes up all the air in the room. Tracy Ellis, um, which thank God, and Jessica had a like highly publicized weird little back and forth on Twitter <gasps> once. It really? Was weird. Yeah. Oh, are they not friends? I, no, I think they are. But I think what was the, the back and forth about? Jessica posted a picture of her skiing and Tracy commented something about like how she's not wearing a helmet and everyone's like Tracy Ross oh. hates Ashley Simpson's sister. Oh my sister. god that's like what a sister-in-law says. I know it's oh, so funny. Okay. I thought it was something deeper than that. But yeah Jessica Simpson has like one of the best most giant like shoe empires in the world now and Ashley is part of the Diana Ross yeah. family like they're both fine but they both um, were like you know torn to shreds by the media in the 2000s. Her shoes also suck. I wore them to my sister's wedding and both of the heels broke off. I have a pair of broke Jessica. Off. Okay, I hear you. I have a pair of Jessica Simpson shoes that I really like. Jessica Simpson sponsor me, not Nika. But I do no, but I love her perfume fancy. I bought it from TJ Maxx years ago <laughs> and I would it, it was a spray bottle. I would spray it all over myself and people would say, Nika, I love your perfume. Where is it? And I would say, Thanks. My mom bought it for me. It's French. <laughs> and but Jessica was, Simpson would wink to the camera. Yeah, but it was fancy by Jessica Simpson, TJ Maxx, twelve bucks. Wow. All right. Well, I think the takeaway is never let an Aquarius come into your job and <laughs> tell you what to do. Um, and yeah, I mean, maybe just like uh, go easier on 20 year olds who fuck up. Yeah. Because <laughs> I feel like for me, the fuck up isn't even like the lesson to be learned isn't about how to avoid that particular fuck up because there's plenty of things to say about that. To me, the real lesson is how everyone treated that fuck up. Yeah. Like. That fuck up was bound to happen, even if it wasn't that specific fuck up. She was a very famous 20 year old. Something highly publicized was bound to happen. And it just sucks the way um, everyone devoured her and let, once again, one moment define her as a person. And here at this podcast, we don't stand for it. No, we don't. Okay. Bye. Bye. (laughs) Follow us on Instagram. Send us your. Uh, listener mistakes at best pod best pod best pod that's it best mistakes pod uh, at gmail.com gmail. follow us at best mistakes pod on everything bye bye <laughs>